0: Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we got another Q&A, my favorite, and we're playing massive catch-up, so we're going to have questions for days, but you can still click the link in the description. You can fill out the form. You can uh, wait for me to post on my story, or you can even add yourself to the private Facebook group, which is the Tailored Life podcast forum, I believe. And it is uh, another link for that in the show notes. You've just got to answer a few questions so we know you're real. Um, and if you uh, don't know what the best show is, then you don't get in. Sorry. Just playing. We'll let you in. All right. Most people are wrong. No, we don't. Man, more, as long way as more people it. voted. Friends. Not way more people, but Friends won, which is surprising since Seinfeld's actually rated is the best. Friends is better than Seinfeld, though. Not even co- remotely close. Dude, Seinfeld is the most profitable the sitcom ever. What? It's the most pr- profitable TV show or sitcom ever in history. You wish. It, I mean, it's a fact. I don't know It was in TV that. Guide magazine. Oh, so it's a fact. It's a fact, bro. <laughs> it is. And I mean, Friends was probably up there, guaranteed. Guaranteed Friends was up there. but I think Seinfeld is not as profitable. Profitable. It is. Seinfeld, him, Jerry Seinfeld, is the most the wealthiest comedian in history,
1: which is crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: Google it. All right. It's All right. a fact. Let's it, get to it, dude. And he
1: started a new category of TV shows. You're going to be late. All right. Let's get it. We got a question coming from Casey Le, Le, Lewand, Lewandowski. Whoa. How do you factor in the mental side of things... When it comes to strength in your actual 1RM, for context, I'm a female who has a max of 255 squat, 285 deadlift, and 155 bench, and I know that I I am physically strong enough to do more weight, but my, my PRs are only 7 to 9 RPE. But every time I go for a new 1RM, I have this mental block and can't seem to do it. Any suggestions on how to get past this or actu- or, or accurately estimate my actual 1RM? Okay
0: so yeah there's a few things here first of all you ever wonder how people get their last names like yeah who was the first person in that lineage that was just like you know what we're the mcbrooms deciding at this point like how does that even happen what is a mcbroom like did my family invent the broom and they
1: just threw a mick on it (laughs) Like it, it's a very, my, my family was the first Queens and they threw a qu- Nick on it. Dude, you don't fucking know. Maybe <laughs> I mean, I, the first person to like decide, Hey, I think there should be a queen
0: involved too. And now you're the McQueens. All right. Who knows? It's dope. It's a very, I mean, it's a very weird thing if you think about it. Yeah.
1: I don't think about yeah. it. At what point did people. I did I mean, do like an ancestor project in like fifth grade or something. Yeah. Like How great far grand. did you get? Uh, very far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had this huge poster board like set up in my parents' house. Like 1600s, 1500s? Oh, God. I, I'm talking like 1900s. Maybe like. I mean, that's one person.
0: One? I mean, think about it.
1: Okay, yeah. Maybe way 1800s is maybe like two 18, to three people. Yeah. Which is crazy thing to think about. But it's true. Fuck, I don't know. Maybe very, 1700s. Very weird. I don't remember. I, mean, I was too young to even yeah. understand it, I think.
0: Yeah. My great grandma might have been writing with a feather pen when she was a little girl. She might've been around when the pen was invented. Probably. She's passed away now, but she yeah. would be like 120 at this point. That's crazy. She lived in ninety eight, I think.
1: My great grandma, well, my bit. grandma's like eighty something, so I'm assuming my great grandma would be like Yeah. My grandma just turned eighty eight. But then again, my week. great my great grandma had my grandma when she was like eighteen. So yeah. probably not much older. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking crazy. Though. That is wild. Dude, my
0: grandma, I called her on her birthday and she was driving to a calligraphy class because she was teaching Dope. a calligraphy class on her birthday. Dope. At 88 years old, she's teaching a fucking class of people how to do art and shit. Cool. Wild. Anyway, uh, well, you, strength stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, if you have the answer to the where the first <laughs> person, last. Yeah, where that originated, who decided the last name? Especially you,
1: Casey. If you know where your last yeah. name came from, DM I mean, Cody.
0: Some of it's got to be like tribal stuff way back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think of like Brandon and our team. That was probably some tribal stuff way back because it's a very like it's not Mick Broom or what was hers, Uh Lewandowski. That I don't think that means anything. You know what I mean? Like I don't think you should. <laughs> I'm just saying like uh, like if somebody's last name was uh Rockbed. like why? <laughs> because <laughs> they 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 owned the rock bed
1: and that's where their tribe was and they led that tribe. You know what I mean? Like Maybe. I'm just saying. You know. Big rock. So what about the Uh, mental side of 1RMs? Yeah, about that.
0: Um, There's a a few things that come to mind. One sounds kind of funny, but I actually legitimately think it would work really well. And I've seen it happen to me in real life, not because I intentionally did this, but I accidentally did it. I basically, I didn't calculate the plates right. And I thought there was less on the bar than there was. And then I benched it and I was like recalculated when I went to add more weight. And I was like, holy shit, that's way more than I thought it was. So- How can you do that? Well, one, you can be bad at math and by chance get stronger (laughs) like me. Or you can have somebody else adding the weight for you. So if you have a gym partner, what I would do is literally go, hey, like I want you to gauge my RPE. So I might tell you what my RP is maybe, but I want you to gauge it with me. Uh-huh. Either way, I don't want to see the weight. Like here's what my one rep max is. We're going for three today. I want you to just add weight as you see fit and somebody you can trust and let them add weight to the bar and just keep going until you can't and then see what, what's on there. And that, to me, that would give you the true uh, one RM, right? The other way to do it is to actually just have a spotter. You can always do more when you have a spotter, period. You know what I mean? Like when you spotted me that day, I benched more than I thought I was going to bench. I don't even remember how much it was actually
1: three
0: i think it was like 295 295? or maybe it was 300 flat because we put the two and a half something i think that's what it was it was 300 um i've never benched 300 and travis was there spot me he really didn't he didn't do anything Mm -hmm. like to the bar but when you have somebody there mentally you're like okay i'm not going to drop this on my throat probably so i'm going to be more courageous about deadlifting or benching it um shit i mean i know for me the camera instantly steps up what I can do. Um, I didn't think I was in a debt. My end of the quarter goal was deadlifting 500 and I deadlifted 500 halfway through the quarter. You were filming and I was like, fuck, it, let's go for it. And I killed it. Um, there's also plenty of times where I have eight reps and it's an RPE of nine, let's say, and I do eight reps and I can see that Travis finally gets a good angle. Cause he just started taking pictures. And so I'm like, fuck. And I keep going and I end up getting like three or four more reps. And then I instantly go, oh, shit, I got to go up and wait. Because I thought that was a quote-unquote RPE nine for eight reps, but I just did 11 reps with it. Yeah, I got to go up. So sometimes having somebody around you, a camera going, believe it or not, even if you set up your own camera to check your form or whatever, it is a source of accountability that's going to push you harder and keep you more on point with your form, with your effort. Um, Having somebody else dictate how much weight's on the bar and and watching your RPE, having a spotter, all those things play a big role. Um, And there's actually even some research to support two different None of those, but two different things that that are pretty common. Like a lot of people just naturally do it, but they've actually had people like intentionally do it versus they don't say anything to people. And the people who intentionally did it actually had a better, um, uh, better session. They had more PRs, better strength, whatever. Um, And the first one is visualization. So they actually would have participants in the study visualize themselves lifting that amount of weight before they actually had to sit down to do it. So as you're going to the bar, as you're going into the session, as you're going to the gym, literally visualize yourself deadlifting that weight, bench pressing that weight, and you will be more likely to do it. It sounds very, very kind of foo-foo, but I mean, it's proven by research. People literally do that. And it makes sense too, because the people who are really into uh, visualization, meditation, journaling, um, uh, vision boards, those kind of things, they tend to be successful. There's a lot of people who do them and don't succeed, obviously, but There's a very, very high correlation with people who do all those visualization techniques and people who succeed. So why wouldn't it apply to everything else, right? So visualize yourself crushing it, hitting the way, whatever. And then the other thing is music. So they've done plenty of research to show like music versus no music or like music of choice versus not music of choice. But music plays a massive role. And just like uh, they call them binaural beats, I think it Mm. is, that plays a role in productivity. So there's even like, uh, you can go to Spotify playlists and uh what is the like what is Mozart? What is that kind of music called? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, dude, it's called uh... You should look it up real quick. Like what what genre is Mozart? <laughs>
1: like But I almost said hymns, but it's not hymns. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is that? Like in church like hmm, like piano or oh. organs and stuff. Oh. Um
0: well uh I think it starts with a B. But I think. Are you thinking of like Beethoven? Or? No, but he's in that category too. Symphony. Oh, uh, that's not what I was thinking of. Opera. No. Nope. I mean, it's Symphony is the right word. There, there's like a rhapsody into it, like a bo-, bo. Wolfgang. Anyway, I have listened to it because there's 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 research to show that classical. Like, yeah, it's definitely classical. What is but,
1: genre but of Beethoven's music?
0: Classical. There's, there's definitely like West, there's there's Western a specific type of oh. Barbecue. Here we go. Barbecue. Yeah, energetic, no lyrics. Barbecue music for studying. Like, never heard of that in my life. We know what (laughs) Mozart is, bro. Yeah, but it's like violins and shit like that. Okay. But that, uh, I don't know if it's pronounced barbecue. B A R O Q U E. There's playlists on Spotify for it because there's studies show that those kind of beats and instrumentals and stuff actually help brain flow and productivity. Um, I know one thing for sure is is music without lyrics helps as well just from experience just because you're not thinking about what they're saying. You know, you can just listen to beats, but binaural beats, that shit, like all kinds of stuff helps with productivity. And with training, it's the same thing. It's just a different tune, right? So usually that one's more by choice too. Some people like metal, some people like rap, some people like punk, whatever it is. But if you have specific music to lift to, you will lift heavier. So the best things you can do is visualization, make sure your music's on point for what you like, have a spotter, uh, maybe have the spotter put the weights on for you so you don't actually calculate it and see how much it is. Um, and yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's the best thing. Obviously, there's training techniques that can get you over strength plateaus uh, from a program design perspective. But it's if it's purely mental, I think it ultimately comes down to that. And something you can do from a training perspective to help with the mental side too is is like some neurological things where um they call them like like bar racks. Mm-hmm. So like for example, if I want to squat 400 pounds, but I can only squat 350. One of the first things I'll do is load the rack with 400 pounds, rack it, walk out, stand there for 10 seconds, and rack it again. And that sounds weird, but your body will neurologically improve and get used to having 400 pounds racked on your back. So for bench press, you can unrack it and just hold – that much weight in front of you. You can also do like uh, force negatives, so you could rack the weight, unrack the weight you want to be able to do. Have somebody spot you so that you, or you actually would do more than that. So let's say, let's say I was going, to hit I wanted to hit three hundred, but I knew I couldn't. I would load it with three twenty-five. Yeah, I would lower it as slow as I can, and then I'd have two people help me up. So I'm never really doing the concentric lift, but I'm getting used to holding that amount of weight on the negative. That will help from a neurologic perspective as well. Yeah. And that might translate because now you get used to holding and you're like, actually, this isn't crazy heavy. I can hold it. I can brace. I can handle it. And then you definitely do 300 then.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're not listening to Mozart today, so... No, dude, I can't stand that shit. I tried it. <laughs> I, I, had I don't the, care how much you need to bench. To. I have the Spotify playlist
0: downloaded because I was like, oh, this will be a cool hack to be more productive. And I just started getting like annoyed. I yeah. was like... That sounds really annoying. I mean, the one thing is it goes really fast. It's so disrespectful. <laughs> so I think you can like go fast, you know, and I would have to be on some kind of drug to want to listen to that shit. But yeah. lo-fi beats, um, I like... My happy medium is jazz hip-hop beats. Mm. So then they have some saxophone and uh, whatever other instruments are in jazz. And it kind of has that
1: classical vibe to it. But then there's still like some like rhythm to it, like beats that I can like rock to. And it's, that's like perfect. Sweet. No lyrics. All right, cool. The next one comes from Myrna Salib says, Hi, I've been following your podcast for a while and have been inspired to start a reverse diet. I've been eating 1300 calories for two years and strength training without proper knowledge of how to properly fuel for performance or physique goal. I have been reverse dieting since November until now. I have reached 2,050 calories with 150 protein, 260 carbs, and 40 fat. almost said fiber. Uh, I'm not sure when to start my reverse diet. I have gained 6 pounds throughout the process. I feel great, but my overall physique is better, and my training performance has significantly increased. Should I continue to increase calories or go into a maintenance phase? I'm afraid I will continue to gain unwinded excess body fat, but I also want to see what strength levels I can reach. Please help. Also, does being sick with a cold have an effect on the scale? <laughs> There's a random one thrown yeah. in there. <laughs> I have another question, but I don't want to write you another email. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, did she
0: did she finish with uh, like how many calories she's eating now, did she say? Uh, I think 2050. Okay, she said 2050. That's pretty good from 1300. So, um, and she said her weight? Okay. So that's a really, really important factor here, <laughs> but uh, that's okay. So what I would say is this, like if, if I saw somebody successfully reverse diet from 1300 to 2000 calories, basically, um, and strength gains are going up, hypertrophy is going up. They're more satiated. They have more energy. They're seeing all the benefits, which it sounds like she is. she's seeing all the benefits from a reverse diet. Now she's getting to a point where she's like, do I just keep on going or do I stop here and stay at quote unquote maintenance or just try to maintain this level while pursuing strength, all that stuff. I would probably venture to say if, if your biofeedback is good, meaning your sleep's good, your stress is good, your cravings are good, your hormones are good, like all those things are good, you're progressing in the gym, so you're adding load, you're doing more volume, you're recovering better, um, and your weight's in a good place and you're satiated, like you're not overly hungry, just stop. You're in a good place. This is the purpose of reverse dieting is to get you to where you are now. Now that you're there, just keep your calories there and focus all your efforts on pursuing more volume or strength in the gym, right? And when you get to a point where you're like, now my recovery is suffering or I'm actually starting to lose weight because I'm doing too much in the gym for the amount of calories I'm taking in, bump your calories up a little bit, right? I think that reverse dieting doesn't need to be this like consistently linear process. So she went from 13 to 2000. Great. A lot of progress. Let's just hang out here and see what happens. Let's focus on training. Let's increase volume or, or progress your, your load or whatever. And if recovery suffers in one month later, two months later, six weeks later, whatever it is, you need to reverse diet your calories up again, bump them up. It doesn't need to be like this bi weekly 10 to 15 gram increase that a lot of people do, even though that is what a lot of us do during the bulk of a reverse diet. There's periods of time where you reverse up, you hang out for a little bit, you bump up calories once, hang out for a little longer, bump up calories again, hang out for a little longer because you're allowing your body to adapt. You're getting used to this new intake. You're you're adjusting your training or increasing your training. And then if needed, you bump up again. So it doesn't matter if it's like this perfectly spread out process or like you wait a while and then you do it again and wait a while, do it again. It can be I mean, shit, a reverse diet could be a six-month process, maybe three months consistently, and then you you adjust three times over the next three months. But still, you're doing the same process over a long period of time. And as you reverse calories higher, you're probably going to need more time in between those adjustments to see if you even need those adjustments, right? And the last thing I will say is that I'll, for a long time, people doing reverse diets with clients were like almost making a competition. It was like, how how many calories can I get my client to eat? And it was always small females that they focused on, which is really weird. They would have clients that are like, my client is only 120 pounds. She's eating 3000 calories, maintaining weight. And you're like, okay, that sounds cool. But your client is fucking tired of eating. Now she has a bad relationship with food in the opposite fashion of dieting. She hates food. She doesn't want to diet. She doesn't want to like, you know, try to keep pursuing this. And you're making, it's like, it's like the the youth athlete who has the obnoxious mom that is constantly yelling at them and forcing them to do the sport that turns the sport into a job instead of a hobby, and then they don't pursue it long term, which they could have been a star, yeah. but they hate the sport now, right? Because their parents ruined it for them. It's the same thing. Like, don't ruin the reverse diet for your client. Like, when they're uncomfortable, when they feel like they're satiated and they're happy, just keep them there. Chill there. Wait a while. If they start seeing hunger creep up again, because maybe adaptive thermogenesis picked up again because they're doing more in the gym or whatever. Okay, bump calories up. Give another twenty five grams of carbs. See what happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would I would say there. I think you're doing great. I'm glad that the podcast and our content has helped you do that. It's super cool. Um, and you're doing the right thing. As far as uh, the question about having a cold, um, yes and no. I mean, some colds or illnesses create inflammation. Like even I I was like a pound or two heavier when I got my tattoos done because there's a bunch of inflammation. Inflammation is water retention. Essentially, it's your body sending fluids to the area of injury in order to help its recovery, which is why you don't always want to blunt inflammation per se. But um, being sick doesn't always mean inflammation. Sometimes you get sick and you lose weight. Sometimes you get sick and you gain weight. It just kind of depends. There's no real good answer there. Um, I think I always tell people... When you get actually sick, like if it's just like a little cold, you got some stiffles, I don't think your diet should change. I don't think your training should change. You're fine. But if you're actually sick, take some extra rest out of the gym, stick to your diet the best you can, but just get your protein in, focus on like fruits and vegetables. Like you, you kind of should just hit pause on things because the scale might be inaccurate. Your training's not going to be accurate. Um, your sleep's going to be off. Just don't hyper focus on the metrics that you normally track because they're probably going to be off anyway. And then just get
1: back to that when the sick is gone. Totally. You know, keep it simple. All right, good, good. All right, let's move to the next one. We got one coming from Glory. It says, thoughts on Turkish stone as a natural supplement. Efficiency and ethics in competitive natural bodybuilding. It's not banned yet, but it's on the WADA watch list. Seems harmless with some potential cardiac and liver protective benefits, but, like, there's not a lot of Evidence empirical research to support claims is true. Crazy strength of muscle gains.
0: Yeah, um, this has been like a hot topic lately because there was. Uh, I'm going to keep this one really short because I'm not uh, I'm not an expert on this topic. It, but it, the reason I'm not an expert on it because number one, right away, a couple respectable people in the industry just kind of smashed this one and showed that it's really not anything special, and uh, I didn't see the reason for me to spend my time digging into research because there's, there's one study that just showed insane gains. It kind of reminds me of HMB. HMB was like this, like amino acid, like supplement that there was a study on that basically showed similar results to like steroids. Like the guys just got fucking jacked on it. And, uh, they later found out that the, the, the person doing the research, who was actually a really well-known researcher and no longer is now, um, fucked with the results and basically had like biases to sell supplements or some shit in it. And he got like, just basically ridiculed for it. Um, and now he's not a trusted researcher, but that's kind of how this one is. Um, I know that like Andrew Huberman did a podcast and he was talking about it. Um, and he shared information on one of the, the research studies talking about how this stuff is, is like one of the best natural testosterone boosters. Um, and I don't want to say like, you know he definitely popularized like the interest in it uh, but he's also not a fitness expert so what he does is he interprets research for what the researchers say there are so he looked at the research and he's good at interpreting research but sometimes i think he takes research interpretations too far and it turns like some like false advertised hack into something that could be very legit or it's like a very tiny hack that he extrapolates and really explains process, and it's one hundred percent factual, but the mar it's such a marginal improvement that this is gonna make, but he like he makes it sound so fucking cool, yeah. and he dives into the mechanism so you think it's bigger than it actually is, um even stuff with like I mean, um, sunlight sauna, like uh, hormones, hunger regulators, like all kinds of stuff that he's covered that are one hundred percent accurate when he covers it. But it's 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 literally not something that's going to be such a game changer. It's just very interesting science, and I I like his podcast because I like that shit. But I think in in the hands of the wrong individual, or I should say, in the ears because it's a podcast of the of the inexperienced individual, it can twist things a little bit too much or get them excited about something that's not true. So a lot of people started talking about this study done on Turkstone that basically cranked up testosterone and got people insane gains. Um, it's just, it's bullshit. Like she said, there's not a much, enough empirical data to show that it's actually legit. And um, Jeff Nippard put out a uh, YouTube video, I think a full podcast, but a YouTube video on it. I want to say Lane Norton put out a YouTube video on it. Um, I know Eric Trexler talked about it both on um, Jeff Nippert's podcast, because he like interviewed him for it, and he talked about it on their podcast, I believe. But a bunch of people who are researchers and experts in this the supplement area like basically hammered it and showed that it's just not worth investigating. So, yeah. um, it's probably on the watch list because of all the claims. So once these claims come up, they put it on the watch list while they go investigate and, and research. Um, I highly doubt it'll get on the banned list because it's just not something that actually does that much. Um, but they might put it on there just to avoid having to dig through tons and tons of research, Totally. you know, but there's not enough research on it. And I don't think there, there's really nothing that is going to make that big of a difference inside of testosterone, yeah. outside of steroids.
1: All right, cool. Uh, next question will be from Allie 32. It says, what is the, uh, what is a first form product you cannot live without? It's a hard fucking question. Um, all right. First form
0: product I cannot live without. uh, I don't, I I think my problem is that I have, I have like my supplements that are like, they're so ingrained in my routine, you know, that it's like hard for me to say, well, this is the one. Um, I would say that the ones that never leave my routine are the greens, the fish oil, the multivitamin, and the whey protein. Like those are, those have just been staples of mine forever. Um, now if I had to say I could live without some, I would say I could live without the protein powder because I could get that from food. I could live without the multivitamin because I could get that from food. I could live without the fish oil because I could get that from food. I mean, technically I can get all of them from food, I guess, but I feel like the greens is probably the one that I, I don't think I could live without mm. because you know creatine's obviously one of my favorite supplements, and I would say there's actually way more research and validity to taking creatine than there is a greens drink. <laughs> but there's something about taking a greens drink that like starts my day on a good foot. I think like this is one of the biggest benefits. Now, when you take a good greens drink, you're going to get a ton of vitamins, and minerals. Uh, in this one, you're going to get probiotics, you're going to get digestive enzymes, you're going to get all those things that you might be getting if you eat a good amount of vegetables and fruit every day. However, You'd have to eat a lot of fruit and vegetables every day to get the amount that's in there, you know? And so for me, if I can have a few servings of vegetables throughout the day and that, I'm just like, I'm covering all my bases without a doubt in my mind. So it's, I think I would rather have that than a multivitamin any day. But I think one of the biggest benefits is like the mental aspect of starting your day with a good habit. I don't, I'm not honestly huge on morning routines anymore because Lately, to be honest with you, lately I, I literally wake up, make my coffee, drink green, drink, and start working. Like I, there's something about a dead silent house and me with coffee that I'm just, that's like where I can create content and, and write. And that's just, I don't know, I have like all my creative juices flowing before anybody wakes up in the house. So I've been less of a wake up and journal and read and meditate or walk. And like, I used to have like such a long routine. And I think for a lot of people, it's good to have that routine if one, if your schedule allows it, two, if you're new into habits, routines, meditation, all those kind of things, um, or if you're a new business owner and you're like, I need to make sure I'm productive. If you struggle with productivity, those things definitely help you with that. For me, I don't, and I hear Gary V talk about this a lot too. He doesn't have much of a routine or habit or anything cause he's just, he wakes up and he's ready to go and he doesn't have a problem like getting to it. And lately, that's how I've kind of been. I'm like, I don't want to waste time. I just want to fucking start creating and doing shit. So I wake up, my alarm goes at 5.30 by 6. I'm sitting in front of my computer doing stuff because I, I want to do it. Um, at times, I will read for 20 minutes first, but right now, I'm not reading anything particular. Um, but the greens drink is the thing in that. Like when I wake up and I fill up a whole shaker bottle full of water and greens, there's something about chugging down all that water. One, that's really good for your metabolism <laughs> to drink that much water first thing in the morning. But two, like, that greens drink immediately puts me in the mode of, like, living a fit, healthy lifestyle, as weird as that sounds, because you start the day with something so health and fitness oriented. You know what I mean? That's why I think, like, if, if you go on a walk for some morning, same thing. If you wake up, did 10 burpees and drink green drink, same thing. Like, you're doing something that is, like, I'm fucking fit. I'm healthy. I'm going to start my day like this. I'm going to finish my day like this. So it kind of snowballs effect in the rest of your daily habits. Cool. Um but yeah, green drink is for sure the one that I, I can't live without. Uh, I would say, and um, yeah, obviously head over to firstform.com/slash tailored coaching method. You can get that there, and you can get free priority shipping uh, by using the slash tailored coaching method. Um, and obviously, you help the podcast grow by doing that as well. So you're, you're supporting us by doing so. Uh, and and I, I, I got this asked the other day, so I can say this too. I just placed an order, so um, like my daily routine with First Form as a whole is the greens drink and the reds drink, the multivitamin fish oil, all those for with my first meal of the day, um, greens drink first thing in the morning, then the other ones with my first meal. And then I always have, uh, their way isolate every day, um, as well with, with one of my meals. And then, um, I have been taking the stress, uh, I want to say it's called adrenal something, adrenal support, and then the joint one. So like joint health, stress support, um, And then the magnesium before I go to bed. Magnesium is going to help recovery, nervous system, muscle function, and sleep. So for me, that's like my daily thing. Whey protein, greens, red, multi, uh, fish oil, stress support, joint support, and then finish with the magnesium at night. And that's a daily, daily routine. Oh, I get, fuck, I take more than I realize. Creatine, obviously. And then if it's a hard workout, the intraformance, which is the carbs and EAAs. So, um, which is why I love them. They have so much... They have so many different products that you can choose from that yep. makes it like anybody can basically fix what they want. If you want the collagen, if you want the hormonal support, whatever you need, like they have everything there. So a lot of good shit from them. Uh, again, that's firstform.com/tailoredcoachingmethod. slash uh, tailored coaching method. And as always guys, please leave us a five star rating and review. If you like this podcast, we appreciate you guys listening and we will catch you next time.